With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to the Canal Street Chronicles podcast, part of the SB Nation family. I'm your host, Brendan Ertle, and you can find my Saints articles on Canal Street Chronicles as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Brendan underscore Ertle. Huda, and welcome back to another episode of the Canal Street Chronicles podcast. I'm your host today, Brennan Ertle. Today, I'm going to be breaking down the miserable 26-20 overtime loss against the Minnesota Vikings. The Saints were highly favored in this football game. They came out flat, but I'll be diving deep into what went wrong and why we shouldn't blame the refs in this contest. Before I jump into this podcast, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. I jumped in in the middle of the season, started these podcasts. I just want to thank everyone who's listened, who's even just tuned in for an episode. Make sure to keep listening, subscribing. We will be keeping up the episodes all offseason, keeping you guys updated with what's going on in free agency, who the Saints should re-sign. I'm really into the draft, so I'll be diving deep into the draft. The Saints will have the 24th overall pick after this game, so... I'll be diving deep into who they should take on that pick. But before we get into any of that, the Minnesota Vikings. The major stats of this game, Dalvin Cook had 28 carries for 94 yards and two touchdowns. So the Saints still hold their 100-yard rusher streak to 43 games, but they lose the football game, so that literally doesn't matter at all. Adam Thielen had seven receptions for 129 yards, his first game really healthy back. Drew Brees was 26 for 33, 208 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Taysom Hill, the player of the game for the Saints, he was 1 for 1 passing or 50 yards, 4 carries, 50 yards, and 2 receptions for 25 yards. Getting into this breakdown of this football game, I was doing the recap for the Canal Street Chronicles for the game, and I'm going to be honest, it was just miserable the whole entire game. Typing these big plays for the Minnesota Vikings and I can't even tell you how many times I typed Saints go three and out Saints go three and out it just it was just so bizarre for me to see how badly this team looked in the first and second half of this game just coming into the playoffs I was super confident of this team's abilities and what they were looking like coming into the playoffs and everything they strive for and improve during the season it just went all out the drain this game it it was like they took the whole week off and they, they acted like they had a bye game this week. I mean, they really should have had a bye game this week. They were inches away from having maybe even being the first seed, but they acted like they had a bye, and they played like it. They had way too many mistakes, way too many. First off, I'm just going to read off some. First off, the Janoris Jenkins fumble recovery. The Saints started off, started off maybe the best they possibly could. Minnesota got the ball first, and... I want to say the second or third play of the game, Adam Thielen coughs up the football, Saints hop on it, and they're in Minnesota territory. They're on like the 37-yard line. You need to capitalize on touchdowns there. You need to turn turnovers into touchdowns. T to T, 
but they only turned it into three points. They barely even moved the football in that drive, and I, they just kind of stalled out. That was the first mistake for me. Another mistake I want to highlight, it was one of the bigger mistakes of the game. The Saints had got the football back in the second half with, like, I want to say 250 left, around 250 left, and they had a potential, and they had a couple timeouts, they had a potential drive to go score and go into half up or even just being the 10-6 game it was at the time. So the Saints were driving. They got a couple passes downfield. And then the two-minute warning's coming. It's like 2.07, and it's ticking down. It's ticking down. I thought Drew was going to take it a two-minute warning, regroup, and come back. But for some reason, he decided, being the being this gunslinger he is, he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. He snapped it, and then I don't, I'm not sure what he was thinking. I don't know if he was like, YOLO, Josh Allen, YOLO, let's just chuck it. And he just... There was double coverage to Ted Ginn Jr., picked off by Anthony Harris, and he took it all the way back to the Saints 45. I honestly have no idea what he was thinking. I think he was just getting too trigger happy. He's ones he wanted to he wanted touchdowns now. He wanted to put this game away. It would have been much smarter for the Saints just to take that to the two-minute warning, regroup, call the right play, but instead Drew throws a double coverage pass to the burner Tedgin Jr., but we haven't seen that at all this year. He wasn't open even for a second. He didn't have a step on him, and it was good coverage by the corner, but he had safety help, and Anthony Harris picked that off. That was the biggest mistake I saw. The reason it was the biggest mistake was because Minnesota turned that into seven points. So the Saints could have gone to half, ten up 10-6, ten to six, playing terribly the way they did. They played terrible, and they could have gone up four points. Or they could have gone up three or seven points depending on how that drive finished if Drew let it tick to the two-minute warning drove down the field again I'm not hating on Drew Brees it was just a mistake I'm sure he would own up to this mistake as well but it's a mistake that needs to be talked about so instead of going to the half up 17 or 13 to 6 they went down 10 to 13 but somehow they even got another chance to get the ball back and somehow get points because Deontay Harris, the All-Pro, had a 54-yard kickoff return, and that put Saints right back in the business. Drew Brees had a 20-yard pass downfield to Michael Thomas, and then they're in field goal range. Perfect. Okay, we're going to half at least tied. Like this is a terrible game that's going on. I felt comfortable. I was about to tweet out. I was I was even about to tweet out 13-13 halftime, but Will let's missed it. It's just it sucks. It it. It came back to hurt them so much because those points are so valuable, especially in a sloppy game like this. So where he talked about the before the halftime point swing where the Saints missed out on maybe 10 to 13 points and it capitalized in the seven Minnesota points. But here's another time. Drew Brees and the Saints, they were driving downfield looking to tie this game up and it was like they were outside on the 20-yard line on the red, going into the red zone and... Drew Brees got sacked, fumbled by Daniel Hunter. He was pump faking, had the football out way too far. He fumbled. Minnesota recovers. That's another three to seven points that the Saints could have potentially had to either tie this game or win the or take the lead in this game. And it yes, Drew did fumble. It was his fault that he dropped the football. But the route combination by Ted King Jr. and Traycon Smith was a miscommunication. So Drew Brees, if you if you look at that play again, he killed the play. So that goes to the second play that he called in the huddle. If you watch the play, Traycon Smith in the slot just runs straight upfield. He's taking his receiver and pushing him downfield to create open space. That means Ted Ginn Jr. is supposed to run a slant right into that open space. 
and it looked like he would have had 10, 15 yards if he ran the correct route. But instead, Traquan Smith ran upfield, just making space. And Ted Ginn Jr. ran a he ran a curl, and that just wasn't there for Drew. It, he didn't have that much time. He didn't have the protection wasn't good enough, and he he pump faked. He was confused, dropped the football, and there's another mistake for the Saints. Yet again, another miscommunication and play calling error. The offense was struggling so much; those little things ended up being so crucial. If he can't seem to get any kind of points, I thought in the beginning of the game the defense played good enough to win. I thought they were playing pretty well; they were playing good enough, but they just couldn't stop the run. Plain old simple, they could not stop the run. It was just Dalvin Cook was thrashing them. Avante Madison was just thrashing them. And it was the perimeter running that we talked about earlier that the the Vikings like to do. They'll beat you on the perimeter. They'll beat you inside. Just because the talent in the backfield for them is at such an elite level. And Dalvin Cook, this is maybe his best game since week eight when he's been fully healthy. And he just, he, he proved to the NFL why he's one of the better backs in the league. He just thrashed the Saints defense. Part of the reason why was because they didn't have Marcus Davenport or Sheldon Rankins, but still, the Saints defense without them has been pretty good stopping the run. I wanted Kirk Cousins to beat us in this football game. I wanted him to try to throw. I, I, the Saints needed to stop the run and pressure Kirk Cousins, and that just didn't, that just didn't happen. They couldn't get off the field on third down, and they couldn't stay on the field on third down, if you know what I mean, because the defense... Would it, it seemed like the Vikings always had third and short because they're running the football so effectively. First down run, second down run, third down pass. And the third down would always be like third and three, and it would be so, so easy for them to convert. But the Saints were bending, and they weren't breaking. But eventually they did break because that run game was just thrashing them, and they could not stop the run. And the Saints' offense, of course, couldn't stay on the field on third down. I just didn't like the play calling at all, all game long. They were getting way too cute. They were they they ended up having so many like third and sevens, third and eights, so many third and eights backed up because they weren't running the football effectively. And part of the reason I love Alvin Kamara, but they just got too cute with him. They always get too cute, Kamara. Just run him up the middle or give Latavius Murray the football more. That's another thing I want to talk about for next season. Latavius Murray is such a talented back, and he proved this Saints. All year long. I talk about Latavius Murray in every single one of my podcasts. Give this man the football. Like the Indianapolis Colts, we need those hats. Run the damn ball. They need to give Latavius the Murray the ball. This is supposed to be a revenge game for him. Every time he touched the ball, he was effective. Every time. If the Saints ran 10 more times with Latavius Murray, this game could have been completely different. But instead, on 3rd and 1 and 3rd and 2, they run, they run pitches and outside plays with Kamara. And just Minnesota's perimeter is their strong point. They do have a very good front seven, but the perimeter is phenomenal. Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin, they're not gonna let that happen. They're gonna keep they're gonna keep their contained. They're veteran defensive ends and they're both very talented. That's just not what the Saints should have done. The only successful thing they had on third down was Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill is just literally a goat. Literally just a Swiss Army nice in this offense. He'll be a fr- restricted free agent this season so they can put a first or second round tender on him or extend him to a long-term deal so that'll be interesting down the road but Taysom Hill was very effective in the football game but I wanted Latavius Murray to touch the ball a lot more I know tons of fans are blaming the refs in this game you have no reason to 
I know it's frustrating they didn't call things and things weren't called the, the correct way. But all these mistakes are just adding up and the Minnesota Vikings just didn't make that many mistakes. They they Yes, they punted the football a lot. They didn't convert on drive sometimes. But they didn't make crucial mistakes in the crucial points of the game. They converted. They converted big third downs on the Adam Thielen huge 43-yard reception. Dalvin Cook, big runs to extend drives. They just... They did more to help than hurt them. And all season long, the Saints were a much better team than the Minnesota Vikings. I wouldn't even put them close to the Vikings. The Saints just were maybe the most complete team in the whole NFC. But today, the better team won the game. The better prepared team won the game. I'm not saying the Vikings are better than the Saints. But at this given point today, they were better because they were more disciplined, better coached, and their game plan was much better. Daniel Hunter, the ex-LSU Tiger, after the game said they were they were planning their game plan was to attack the interior of the Saints offensive line was the quote-unquote weak spot for the Saints and it, it is because the tackles are so strong Ramchek and Armstead and Pete was just I can't even explain how bad Pete was in this game because he's not used to having these edge rushers on him but that's no excuse the Saints need to go out and find a guard if even Nick Easton but he just couldn't hold his own in this game. They, he was just getting thrashed. Even if he wasn't giving up sacks, he was his his guy was pushing him right back into Drew's face, and he was just completely ineffective all game long. Larry Warford didn't play well either. I saw him multiple times getting pushed back into the backfield. I like how Eric McCoy played, but even the even even the offensive tackles that we beloved, our Pro Bowler Armstead. And our all-pro Ryan Ramchek, they gave up three sacks in this game. They gave up three. You know how many? You know how many they gave up all year long? None. Not one. Today they gave up three. That's three times more than they had all season long. Think about that. They weren't prepared for this game. So back to the refs. The Dalvin Cook touchdown run, where he was super close to the pylon. And DeMarco Davis came and smacked him. I'm going to be honest. He didn't get in. He didn't break the pylon. It was second and goal. I personally didn't think he got in. And I know lots of people agree with me. And there's an ex-NFL where you actually tweet out. He did not cross the plane. There was no evidence on the field. They called it on the touchdown. They call, I mean, they called it on the field a touchdown. And there wasn't even like close to being good enough evidence to overturn it. Or even call it a touchdown. And the fact that on the play was called so late a touchdown that's what bugs me because they need to either call it or not call it or not call it at all and then go look at re- go look at the review and see what they can see because if you look at the review no way he got in he got stuffed tomorrow Davis stuffed on the goal line and the Kyle Rudolph push off this needs to be talked about because it's it's becoming an excuse for this game and it's making Saints fans have kind of a bad image because we're starting to complain about this penalty a little bit too much. Yes, he pushed off. Yes, his full arm extended. And a six, what is he, six four tight end against a six foot corner. I Right when the play started, I pointed out, look at Kyle Rudolph. One-on-one matchup with a small nickel corner. I don't like that matchup at all. The Saints should have had Von Bell or even, you can keep P.J. Williams over there. But get him some help. Get him some safety help over there. Just get him somebody. Give him another body over there because... At any time a tight end's lined up on a corner one-on-one in the back of the end zone, 
every time you back you back shoulder fade it because the tight end should win 10 out of 10 times. Yes, he pushed off because he's so big and he just pushed off him. PJ had no chance. It should have been called on the field. I originally was frustrated that did it. they didn't review it. And I know lots of Saints players were, but they actually did review it. They reviewed it right after the play while everyone was on the field. And it wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. And personally, I wouldn't have overturned it either because there was not enough evidence to turn this into a flag. It wasn't as obvious as the NFC Championship. If they called it on the field, I bet it would stay on the field as a flag. But there just wasn't enough evidence to go either or. There was They were hand fighting. PJ had his hands up in his grill. I know Rudolph extended. But again, we go back to if the corners turn their head around... If Eli Apple would start turning his head around, we saw Eli Apple not turn. He, he didn't turn his head around all season long. PJ Williams has never done that either. They just put their hands up and then just hope they hope they block the football. That's not what you do. They made that legal face guarding, but if you turn around, you get interceptions. Eli Apple and PJ Williams could have so many more interceptions if they turn their head around. Eli Apple didn't play in this game, but I'm just saying PJ Williams. He's had this thing with him where he doesn't turn around doesn't look for the football if he turns around and looks for the football and then Kyle Rudolph pushes and extends they're calling that 10 out of 10 times but that, because PJ is hand fighting and he's like doggy slapping his hands they're not going to call it because PJ didn't turn his head around but if PJ turns his head around he pushes off it's called 10 out of 10 times didn't do that fundamentals weren't there I wouldn't have called it we cannot blame the rest for this game because the Saints didn't play well enough to even be in that situation I, was, I said throughout the whole entire season, the only team that can beat this team is us. We're the only team that can beat ourselves because if we, if we come out every game and play our best game, no one can beat us. No one. Not one person. And it's kind of disappointing. I'm really disappointed because I don't know if we ever saw the Saints' best game this season. I mean, they did have very good seasons. Like the Indianapolis Colts game was nearly perfect. That was maybe their best game, I, I personally, I think, from top to bottom. But I feel like they didn't play their best game. Even like the LSU Tigers, they say they didn't play their best game, but there's so many games where you could point out, wow, they from this game to this game, they improved so much, and that looks like their best game, and they're improving on their best game. But it's disappointing that we never were really able to see the Saints' best game this season. They beat themselves. They didn't execute the game plan. The defense didn't execute. They didn't stop what they needed to do. I know for a fact Sean Payton said they needed to put pressure on Kirk Cousins and make him feel uncomfortable because make him with pressure and in the dome. Quarterbacks will always struggle with pressure and being in the dome with all the noise. The Vikings had over 70 plays of offense. The Saints pressured Cousins 12 times and had three sacks. Okay. So out of 70 plus plays, cross off three plays because the Saints sacked him for three plays. They still have 67 more plays to play and 12 pressures. I don't even want to say they, it didn't feel like they had that many. And if they did, Kirk Cousins got the ball out. It was a completion or it was incomplete pass, but they really didn't affect him at all in this game, which bugs me because the defensive line has been so good all year long, pressuring the quarterback getting out for the quarterback. But again, part of the reason was because they've been so thin at that position because Davenport and Rankins, they lost in the same week. That hurts the team so much. 
I really saw big strides in Davenport and his pass rush abilities and his run-stopping abilities. And Rankins, of course, has always been that stout defensive tackle. Jai Toto had a pretty good game. Losing those players will always affect you. But if they would have were to execute their game plan better, it would have ended in a better result for the Saints. It sucks that the last game I'm going to be breaking down this season is such a bad game to break down. And I have so many negative things to say about this team because this team this season, I tweeted out, it was so much fun to watch this team because this just the storyline of this season. Drew Brees going down, the team riding around Teddy Bridgewater, they lose Alvin Kamara for a couple weeks. Teddy Bridgewater and Latavius Murray carry this team. They go 5-0. and The team rallies around Teddy Bridgewater. They were playing some of their best football then. And Drew Brees comes back, and he's playing nearly perfect. I, I just thought the Saints, I, th- I thought this would be so much of a better year. Maybe if they not even won the Super Bowl, I thought they would probably even get there, get to the Super Bowl, because this team was playing at such a high level. I thought we were going to see the 49ers again because that we played that game so tight. That game could have went either either way, but the season ends shorts for the Saints. They'll be watching the rest of the playoffs at home. They don't get to travel to Green Bay or see the 49ers again. Their season comes to a close. I want to give a shout-out to Taysom Hill, DeMarrell Davis, and Deontay Harris. They're the best football players in this game. They deserve the praise that they got. Taysom Hill should have been first-team All-Pro at the flex position because he's at such he's playing at such an elite level. DeMar Davis never had a bad game this year, and Deontay Harris is slowly turning into the best returning man in the NFL. Post-game notes, Kiko Alonso tore his ACL for the third time, so that, that hurts his stock on the Saints so much because he has one year remain on his deal, and he has, the, Saints are, the Saints owe him $7 million. So the, he had that quad injury earlier on, in the season, missed a few weeks, and that was in the same leg as well. So he's now torn his ACL three times and has this quad injury. It'll be tough for him to come back. We all we will be returning Alex Anzalone and whoever we get in free agency in the draft. But it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kiko. And just today, Mike Nolan has agreed to terms with the Dallas Cowboys to become their next defensive coordinator. A big loss for the team. Lots of people saw him in the locker room, giving hugs to DeMario, making sure to shake everyone's hand. And that was kind of the signal that maybe he'd be gone, but it was just officially announced by Ian Rapport that he will be the defense coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. That hits really hard for the Saints because you think about all those years the Saints had just not good linebacking cores. The linebackers would always were their weak spot, and just having DeMario Davis being a first-team All-Pro, it felt like a miracle for all Saints fans. I know it. Having a first-team All-Pro linebacker, he coached this linebacking course so well. If you, if, you, if you see before he came and after he came, the defense was historically bad. And when he came, he coached the linebacker. He's coached the front seven. Him and Ren Nielsen made this front seven at an elite level. They made this defense top 10 for the past three straight years. So losing Mike Nolan is huge for the Saints. It's a bummer they lose him. It'll be interesting to see who they bring as a linebacking coach. But the Saints do have a ton of talent in that linebacking core. I think they'll be okay whoever they bring in because of all their talent. And Ryan Nielsen has done such a good job with that front seven as well. Again, I want to say thank you to everyone tuning in. I appreciate all you guys' support. If you follow me on Twitter, at Bernard I've had a bunch of people follow me, and I appreciate all the support. Again, but it's not over for the Canal Street Chronicles podcast. I'll still be doing weekly podcasts, multiple a week. 
breaking down contracts, free agents, all that, because the Saints have tons of free agents as well, some cap space to spend, and we'll be diving deep into the cap space. But again, I just want to say thank you to all the fans, all the loyal Saints fans who tune in, show me support. Sucks so much the Saints season's over. I'm completely disappointed, but can't hate on it because it was a phenomenal year. We just need to remember that. This is maybe the best run the Saints have ever had. And coming back into looking to next year, the NFC South is still weak. They could potentially win this division four straight times. It's never been done in the NFC South. They could potentially do it four straight times. We need to look forward to next year and striving and being great next year because we've had three straight seasons of 13-3. and three. We can keep that up. We have a tough schedule. But the future's bright in New Orleans, and we need to remember that. Again, I'm Brennan Earl. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Thanks for the love. Who dat? I'll see you guys next episode.